0: Hi, this is ESPN's Dave Lamont, and you're listening to the Sports Objective Podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Pirates. Nation, welcome into the sports objective. It's a Tuesday night, and we would typically be bringing you a pirate preview, but obviously the pirates are open this week, and uh, we'll be traveling to Cincinnati on Friday, November the 11th. But right now, we're very excited to be joined by East Carolina outside linebacker Jeremy Lewis. Jeremy, we appreciate your time this evening.
1: Yes, sir, no doubt, anytime. So- yeah, Jeremy, happy to have you here tonight. Appreciate you joining the show, man. I, I really enjoy. Uh, You know, watching you play the game. You know, you're a physical player. You play fast, and you know you're having a great year. So, uh, really happy for your accomplishments so far. Appreciate that. I'm glad to
0: be here, man. Appreciate it. Now, Jeremy, before we dive into the present, uh, you know, just take us back a few years. And obviously, you were a South Central kid, uh, right there, uh, just outside of Greenville, basically Greenville and Winterville. Uh, So, just. Talk about, you know, growing up in the area and, you know, the decision you made to come to East Carolina. Oh, well, growing up, you know, I'm pretty sure you guys know my big brother
2: also played here as well. So, you know, that was a major impact on it growing up, being able to, you know, go to his games, seeing what the environment was like, you know, being able to actually stay home and, and live out my dream playing Division One football, you know. So that was a big impact on it. And, you know, when Coach Mo was here, he, was, uh, he put my brother on scholarship, and my brother was a walk-on, and he made, like, he he put my brother on scholarship, and that was, like, a like a huge decision, like, a huge impact to my family. You know, we was going through some things. My mom was going through a lot of things, trying to, like, continue to get my brother through college, and they hit right on the money. So it was the ultimate level of respect for Coach Moe because, I mean, that's who recruited me. So it was the ultimate level of respect for him. And, you know, I felt like it was only right if I stayed home and played for him. But, you know, things happened. He got – and they got rid of him. But, you know, Coach Houston was able to come in, you know, and – the respect level is just changed over from Coach Mo to Coach Houston. Coach Houston is a great coach, so, you know, nothing really changed there. But, yeah, it was nice to be able to stay home and uh, play for the next
1: level. Yeah, sometimes, Jeremy, as you know, the only constant in Division One football can be, you know, every few years there are, there are coaching changes, unfortunately. So, you know, uh, it's never fun to go through it, but I think you certainly wound up, you know, in a great place here with, with Coach Houston.
2: Yeah, most definitely, you know, I've had like a couple of coaches changes from position coach changes, you know what I'm saying? And it's always been, you know, good for me. So, I mean, it was a great it was great to get from that, like, you know, that family environment with Coach Mo until that to that winning that winning environment with Coach Houston. Like he's all about winning, you know what I'm saying? He's strictly business. And I love that. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, we came here to play football. So it was it was a great it was great that he got hired for that for that job. Now, Jeremy, in high
0: school, you obviously played on both sides of the ball. Uh, so just talk about, you know, uh, when you came to East Carolina, you know, you we didn't have much depth, to say the least, in the tight end room. Um, so talk about that transition, you know, going from the high school ranks, playing on both sides to playing tight end and then shifting back over to defense.
2: Well, it was like – it was a it was a big decision for me because I was getting recruited for, like, both positions – and me having like so much pride, I didn't know I thought I was like a, a good in offense and good on defense, not knowing that I was way better on defense. So when I got here, we had we didn't have a lot of tight end depth. And, you know, Coach Houston asked me, could I play tight end? You know, I probably wouldn't have seen the field on the defensive side of the ball. As a freshman, we had some we had a lot of depth there. So it was like, can you play tight end? You know, I was like, yeah, wasn't a lot of depth in the room. And I I thought I could do it, you know, so. I gave it all I got, did what I could do to help, you know, help the team win, did a lot of special teams in my first two years. And, you know, I, I, I caught the ball a couple of times, got a couple of touchdowns. But at the end of the day, my heart just wasn't there, you know. And then we we ended up getting some guys, Shane Calhoun, Ron Jones, all those guys, they were able to step up, you know. So I wasn't needed anymore, you know. I just – I asked Coach, you know, could I go back, you know, trying to get my love back for the game, honestly. So I was able to do that on the defensive side of the ball. You know, that's what just – it's, things have just been rolling
1: since. Yeah, that's great. It certainly, you know, paid off for you having a chance, opportunity to come in and play defense in this in this Blake Harrell system, Jeremy, which is very aggressive. It gives you guys a lot of opportunities to to blitz and do some you know do some fun things on defense. Oh yeah.
2: That I love it. I love this uh scheme because when I first got here before Coach Harrell, it was more of a four-down four down defense, so two deep really two true defensive ends. And I wasn't I'm not the, I'm, I wasn't the biggest like to, compared to the DMs we had, you know, those guys like try to six four, two fifty, two sixty round round that size. You know, I was I'm like six two, two thirty, so I'm a true outside linebacker. So coming in with Coach Harold's uh scheme, you know, three bigs and like four outside line for two outside linebackers, you know, two Mike linebackers and I'm able to – I fed that, like, roll perfectly, to rush rolls. So, you know, sometimes I can drop back and cover some – I rush the passer, you know, be be on the line of scrimmage, set edge, do those – all those kind of things. And being that it's his new scheme, I'm able to show my versatility a little bit more.
0: So, um, obviously, Matt referenced the the creative schemes and um, just the way Blake Harrell likes to run his defense. Uh, so, just talk about Coach Harrell and just – in the way – and, you know he coaches you guys up, and uh, obviously coach doust as well because he coaches the outside linebackers.
2: Well, with Coach Harold, it's all about uh, consistency, preparation. You know, he 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 practices what he preaches, man. Study 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 and study like he studies so much, study so hard. Always try to put us in the right position, you know, to make a play. Uh, he'll he'll like make sure he knows like if we if we see an offensive formation. He'll relay it all throughout the week. Look, they come out in this, they're going to run this. They come out in that, they're going to run that. And, you know, that just that just escalates throughout throughout the whole defense. So, you know, we're on the field. We, we remember the things he tells us, the, the keys that he gives us, and we just relay that on the field. And then it, sh- it shows, like, like it's crazy because, well, I don't even want to talk about that. But he just puts us in great positions to make plays. And we might, like, yes, we know what's coming because we practice it all week all week long, like we, we study, we watch film and he always just makes, he's a smart, he's one of the smartest coaches I ever had. I can say that. And coach Dallas, you know, he's a, he's a great coach. He preaches physicality, you know, you got to be physical, got to be physical and consistent. It's all about the little things with him, like the little things and the team success will bring out the individual success. So you mean like you just do your job preaching that, do your job, do your job, you know, be where you're supposed to be and you'll find yourself making a play with him.
0: Jeremy, taking a look at that BYU game, and I, I know Matt and I, we discussed this off the air last weekend um, because, uh, you know, playing defense nowadays has certainly changed with, with you know, some of the, the concussions and, you know, the emphasis on targeting. And that's a whole – I mean, that can be a whole other show. But um, we certainly thought uh, it was a bad call when you got the rough and the passer call. I mean, you, you were just a – I mean, in our opinion, you weren't you weren't getting there late, so you know, so – Kind of give us the perspective, um, you know what it's like to play defense in this day and age.
2: Um, I mean they they definitely take care of the quarterbacks in this day and age. Uh, I could see like going back and watching film on it. I didn't really like, you know, I, I wasn't trying to like rough the passer at all, in any any type of way. But you know, I probably was a little bit late, and I could I could have tried to held back, I guess. But you know, in the in the in the speed of things, it's hard to you know just try to hold back. That's like, it's tough to do, but. Yeah, in this day and age, you know, they they most definitely try to take care of the quarterbacks, which is I feel like they should. You know, some things, some things just don't go as well as others. But I mean, it is what it is at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought that was, you know, <clears throat> I felt kind of bad in that situation. I'll tell you, there was a blatant, uh, not to get slightly off topic here, but Elijah Morris got called on a roughing the passer against Navy. That, one, that, one that was, was one of the worst calls, fellas, I've ever seen. Honestly. Honestly. I felt bad for him. And that was a critical possession in the game, right, Jeremy? It uh, was on the third yeah. down versus Navy. And not only did they get the rough in the pass, but they got him for
2: targeting. So he had to sit out. So that was that was really that was really rough for us, you know. And he was like when we when we play Navy, Elijah Morris, he has that he has such a low base so he can line up right on the center and you know, just cause havoc. So, you know, losing him, losing him on that call, you know, made a big impact on the rest of the game.
1: Yeah, yeah. I
2: agree. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm sure the folks around me at that game, uh, they they thought I had lost my mind. Um, you know, I, I was probably I was yelling like Coach
1: Hughes,
0: U- <laughs> 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 and that's former quarterback. It's just, it just kills me, you know the way you guys invest so much and then to, to have it taken away. Well,
1: I think you're cutting out a little bit, buddy. I think you're cutting out a little bit, a little feedback. Um, Jeremy, I don't know if you could hear Bubba there, but, uh, you know, I, w- I was going to ask you while uh, we get Bubba back here in a, in a good spot with uh, wireless service. Um, what was the environment like up in BYU? I'll tell you, it looked, that's a place I never got to travel to. Uh, it looks like an amazing place on TV. Tell us a little bit, a little bit about the environment up there in Provo. I mean, it's,
2: it's a very nice environment, you know, very different, very new for me. You know, it's, uh, definitely cold up there. Uh, the air is very thick, you know, that that's real, you know, and you know what I'm saying? They just, when you get there, it's like, it's just like a very nice place. They greet you. They meet you. They tell you, thank you for coming. You know, I'm like, we got off the bus and somebody looked at me and just dude just was smiling. Was like, thank you for coming. And I'm like, yo, we're trying to to compete, y'all. Like, don't thank me for coming. Like, we no, it's not going to be a nice visit for me. Like, come on. Like, no, don't thank me for coming. So, you know, we get in the locker room. They left us, like, a little hygiene, like, little kit, personal kit, you know, deodorant and stuff like that. Wow, really? We had a present from my other team. So I'm like, yo, they're trying to butter us up. And then when we get on that field, they're going to try to smash our face. And, like, we can't – we can't, like – you know, and Coach, and that's what Coach preached all week long. You know, like, we, he, we knew what we were getting ourselves into. We knew it was going to be some beautiful mountains right outside the playing field, but you can't focus on that. You know, you got to stay locked in, stay focused, and he made sure that we stayed mentally focused and prepared for the game. And, you know, it was – but it was a great – it was a great environment, though. It was nice playing in front of that many fans. Like, like um, my uh, Jack Powers, just like he, he told me before the uh, game, he was like, everybody dreams to, you know, play in front of 60,000 people. He said, "Well, we get the opportunity to go hush sixty thousand people. Put them, like put them to sleep, man. You know, it was it was a great really <laughs> situation. You know what I'm saying? It was it was very nice. Though. It was a good environment.
1: Awesome, Bubby, We have you back, buddy.
0: I believe so. Can you hear me? Okay.
1: Yes. Now we got
0: you. All right. Yeah. What I was trying to uh, lead into, Jeremy, is in that BYU game. Obviously, um, you know uh, they ran the ball better than you know we would have liked uh, there in the the first half, but um, in the as the second half went on, we figured things out and got some critical fourth down stops. So, so talk about those.
2: Oh yeah, Well, coming into the game. We tell their game plan just just as we did uh, watching film. They didn't run the ball versus in in the pistol versus anybody. You know, they every time they got into the pistol, it was a play action, it was a bootleg, it was something like that. And coming in versus us. They got to the pistol and ran the ball. So there were times we were in past hits or something like that. We had to just, you know, adjust and be, get prepared for it. And we was able to do that late in late in the game. But they did get way more success in the run than we, we than we like than we were, I know, like since we didn't want that. You know, we 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 were we were we were mad we gave that much up, you know what I'm saying? So but on those two fourth down conversions, we had some people, you know, step up, and make a big play. Uh, especially on that QB sneak. Uh, I don't know how. They had tempoed the QB sneak, and we was able to get big Jason Shuford in the game. And he's a big boy, and we was able to put him in front of the center, and he just blew it all the way up. And, you know, guys try to push the power back, jump over the power. They weren't able to get the QB sneak. And then on that fourth and two, uh, they they ran stretch to the boundary, and uh, Chance, Chance Bates was just able to, you know, why read the running back? He tried to cut it back, hit him right in the mouth, and he was able to like it was him versus him. and I mean, we had players just step up and make a play in that one-on-one situation. So it was it was good. It was good to see those guys, especially those two guys. It was good to see those two guys step up. You know, they haven't been having a lot of playing time and you know, they get in and they showcase their talent and make a play.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you, you know, Jeremy, one of the things that impresses me about, about your defense is that you guys, and this has really been a theme of the whole year. You guys will occasionally at times bend a little bit, but you never break. And, you know, you see this with a lot of these goal line stands with you guys. You know, you think back to NC State. You know, I think you've had four or five of them this year. It seems like this defense to me is is mentally strong. And you guys, you know, hey, listen, in college football, people are going to move the ball now. That's just the way it is in, in this day and age. But – I think you guys are very disciplined. You know, you get these big stops, especially in short yardage. So, talk to me a little bit about that—the mindset that goes into that. Well, we we definitely have
2: a veteran defense, you know. So you got a bunch of guys that you know they've done it before, they've been there before, and probably hasn't always been in that winning winning environment. And not everything, you know, we're starting to win more games. You know, like I feel like this season, we you you change. Two or three plays, and we only lost one game. And you know, but that two-lane yeah. game, like we really lost for real, for real. But Navy and NC State, you changed two or three plays, and we're only like, what, what would that be, like eight and one or something like that? So, I yeah. mean, we got a bunch of guys that you know just seen it before, been through it before, have a different mentality. You know, no more losing. The mindset on that defense is different. You know, we we take in a group chat before every game, I'm like, look, let's go out here. Let's do what we gotta do. You know what I'm saying? Love y'all boys. And it's like a family in that room. So we just, you know, you you're not just playing for yourself, you're playing for your brother beside you. So, you know, you can't take no playoff. You know, teams might move the ball, but at the end of the day, we play all four quarters and we preach that. And you know, in the in the in like the last four or five games, we've like dominated the fourth quarter, and that's just something that we preach. So, you know, that's just that's just us, just the
0: mindset we have. One of the things that really stands out about this team on the defensive side is the number of guys we play and our, uh, you know, steadily improving depth. Um, I mean, and it talks about um, the way this staff is recruited. And you have a guy like J.D. Lampley who comes in and plays such a key role, a true freshman, which is saying something because this isn't like three or four years ago where where a freshman had more opportunities to play earlier. uh, But – you take a look at it. Uh, a guy like um, Chad Stevens, you know, Richard Allsbrook re- referenced Chad. Uh, just talking about the, the big-time stop on fourth down. Uh, the play I think about with Chad is that game, it was the first time against Nittles. The second time we filled the entire 2 conversion, and then the Nittles' bone-north uh, end zone um, on their – she had the ball at the three yard line, the two point version, and Chad Stevens went right across the right tackle, some big pull to hurt uh, Could, could uh, you hear that, Jeremy? Yeah,
1: could you hear that?
0: I heard him a
2: little bit. Yeah, I was able to understand. Oh, yeah, but Chad, Chad's different. Chaz.
1: Uh, You're cutting out a little, bubble. Go, uh, go ahead, Jeremy. Just, uh, Bobby,
2: yeah. you're that. go ahead, go ahead, Jeremy. Well, Chad, Chad's a ball player, man. He has a different kind of strength. You know what I'm saying? He's not the biggest, and he just moves like a bull. You know what I'm saying? So that play, that play was a big time play. I mean, it doesn't get he doesn't get praised enough. You know, like he, he could have easily walked in the end zone if Chad didn't make that play. And, you know, for me, I've seen him make that play hundreds of times, like in practice. Like, not often does that does that person block him. Like he he comes off the ball fast and he's strong. And you know, he's just like a bull. Like he just it's hard to block him. And he's yep. just done nothing to improve or improve and improve. So like he was uh he came in. That was, was my roommate when we first got here. Came in, he was a middle linebacker and COVID hit. He put on some weight. He got switched to the uh to outside linebacker rush like me. And he was uh he was fighting to win out that spot with a boy named Demir, who ended up transferring, and so he was able to get, get some playing time there. And then I had, I came in a room and, you know, I was battling for that spot and we also needed like a DN as well. So he had went to go play DN and, you know, it took some time to, to adjust him to it to actually put his hand in the dirt. But once he like found that wheel to do it and, you know, was able to actually like, you know, find a groove and how to do it. He was just, he's just been unstoppable since, you know, he plays a scheme so perfectly, you know, getting like doing his job, getting them gaps, been battling some injuries and been playing through them. But, he makes those plays all the time, and it don't get praised enough. But, man, Chad's Chaz a ball. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I agree with you, man. I've been very impressed with him. He 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 has made a big difference this year. Yes. And I, I have a lot of respect for guys, like, that go through that process where, you know, Jeremy, in this day and age, like, so many players, if they don't get to play right away, they transfer, right? Yes. And I respect that because Chad Stevens is a guy. He's kind of come up through the ranks, and he's yes. continued to work. He's had some position changes. Um, and and now here he is, man, and he's having all this the uh, this success. So that's great to see. You got to respect that. Most well, definitely, most oh, definitely. Jeremy, we have some other questions for you. Um,
0: folks chiming in on Facebook as well as YouTube tonight. Uh, and Tommy Clayton from Roxburgh, North Carolina, chimes in saying it's great to play meaningful games in November. So so just talk about that. Uh, the way that has changed over the last couple seasons.
2: Oh yeah. Definitely playing in November is big. You know, you got to be great in November. That's when those get, like big-time games start to click in. You get late in the season, you know, trying to get ready for those bowl games as well. So it's great playing in November, man. And I know, like, we was talking about this, like, back in high school, my co- coach asked us, uh, he's who, like, who got the opportunity to play in November? You know, like, playing in no- you play in November, that means you got a, a pretty good team, you know what I'm
0: saying? And so I, I love
2: playing in November, yes, most definitely.
0: And then Shell Powell from Charlotte um, says hi, Jeremy. Great season as an alum. Uh, you know, appreciate all you're doing, and you're so fun to watch. Um, quick question: Who gets the play from Coach Harrell and calls it on the field? Everybody,
2: <laughs> everybody. We all look at the we all look at the signal, and once we once we get the signal, we uh well once Coach Harold gives the call, and once we get the signal from our signal callers, we all look. You know, we relate the call. We he teaches uh, communication it should be visual and verbal so you know we 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 see the call from the sideline and then when we're on the field we all just tell each other what it is you know so make sure we all on the same page
1: now now jeremy i want to since we're talking about november here and 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 kind of where we are in the season here what a huge opportunity for this team it's got to be exciting you know you look and i know you're focused on one game at a time obviously that's the mindset of a player um, you know, you look into it, you have Cincinnati, Houston and Temple coming up. But Hey, what an opportunity, man, to go out to Cincinnati and have a chance to, uh, you know, to give it back to the Bearcats from last year. Right. Oh, most definitely. You
2: know, it's the biggest game of the season because it's the next game of the season. But for some of these guys in the locker room, it's it's going to be like a one for them. You know, some of these older guys, including me, you know, losing to these guys, you know, freshman year by a field goal. Then going down there to their house, you know, it was kind of embarrassing. And then they was able to like run it up. And then last year they came and, you know, we felt like we felt like we had a chance. You know, we played our butts off and they were just still able to make some plays, you know. So but so this year, you know, a lot of those guys are gone. And, you know, we're just looking forward to it. You know, we can't we can't believe none of the hype. Can't believe what no outsiders and man, you know, a lot of people probably don't project us to win, but. You know what I'm saying? Just like they did with BYU, we are going to cancel out all the noise, you know, go in and just like do what we can do. Yeah. And UCF too, right? Oh yeah, UCF, you know. They UCF beat them, but I mean that is it. like and our and our conference, you know, I feel like it's it's got to the point where anybody can get beat, you know? Yeah. Like it's not really like it's not like it's not really like you have those top dogs like you never know what's going to happen in our conference, and that's one thing I like about it. But, you know, you said I did get him. <laughs> <laughs> no
1: doubt. No, doubt.
0: Now, Jeremy, uh, we had another question on YouTube from Brandon uh, just talking about, you know, the way the defensive staff, um, you know, the way things are set up on a game day. Obviously, Coach Harrell's up in the box, and we see him all the time, you know, away games on TV uh, and so forth. But uh, just talk about, you know, just the the way things are handled as far as, you know, position coaches and coaching up their guys and then you guys going over to the bench after, you know, you come off the field and how you guys get coached up in, in a game situation?
2: You know, it's pretty much just, like, it's pretty much how you think it would be, you know, Coach Ellis, the corners coach, you know, we all, we got the benches lined up. Everybody sits in their certain section, sit beside their, sitting inside their, their guys in their position room. And, you know, each position coach comes up, you know, Talks coach up, you know. Tell me what you see out there. Tell me what's different, you know. We talk among ourselves as players. Uh, who, how does how does he block? You know, how does he set? Is he pretty good? How how fast is he? You know what I'm saying? So we I mean, really that message as a team. And you know, each each position coach normally talks to the to the position players. Like the corner sits to the left, the D line sits to the right, and the linebacker sits in the middle. And you know, that's pre- that's pretty much it. And then well, my, my coach, you know, he's he's also the special teams coordinator as well. So we got to, you know, we got to wait our turn because he's busy. Usually when we're on the, when we're on the on the bench, he's, you know, he's up getting, getting things prepared, ready for special teams. So, you know, and when he gets the time, he comes to coach us up. So, yeah, you just talk, you just find your spot, sit and wait for your position coach to come find you.
1: Hey, hey Jeremy, I wanted to ask you, you know, your thoughts. I mean, hey, listen, obviously there have been some troubles in the kicking game this year, you know, not to stir up any negativity here, but, when Andrew Conrad had a chance, you know, the tr- he's a true freshman, I believe, has a chance to to kick that game winner last week at B at BYU. You know, when he's lining up to kick that ball, what's going through your mind right there? And how excited were you when he drilled it?
2: Oh, I was very ecstatic for him. You know, I told him congratulations. You no, know, that's a big time play for him. You know, really put him on the map. And for me personally, not even not even because of the you know the. the have we not because we've been unsuccessful on a special team, Just me as a person, I couldn't watch. You know, I just I had to turn. <laughs> I told somebody to tell tell me what happens. I was looking at the crowd and I seeing all their faces get sad. So I was just I was happy I, happy at that. But you know, it's it's it's. I mean, you you see those guys make those kicks every day, but you know, it's a it's a different it's a different environment. You know, it's tough for those guys. It's not as hard as people. It's not as easy as people may think, you know what I'm saying? Going out there kicking 60,000 people screaming at you like, yo, it's that that's the real deal. You know, he was able to uh put it through. So that's it was it was great for him. And you know but when like I wasn't like I wasn't like, oh should we kick or should we not kick? You know what I mean? No, we gotta kick that. Like we, those guys practice that. They they make them every day, you know what I'm saying. Just gotta be prepared. So when your name's called and I'm glad that he was. Yeah.
0: Now, Jeremy, um, before we let you go, you know, kind of shifting away from the football field. Um, I know off the air before we went live, you are telling us, you know, you're a communications major. So just tell us, um, tell us a little about yourself, you know, as far as your schooling, and then we'll dive into a few other questions uh, that are non-football related.
2: Um, yeah, I'm a communications major, uh, specifically journalism. I mean, public speaking, specifically public speaking, so you know, football, after football, my football career, I want to do something in that field, you know. I want to be like a sports analyst. I thought about being um getting like a like, getting like a minor in like business or certificate somewhere in the business field and probably being a sports agent as well. Uh I love I, I would love to stay in the sports field and also like I well before I fell in love with football, I was a big basketball player, so if I was a Become a sports agent. I probably would do it for the NBA so for those guys, you know. But who's your favorite NBA team, Jeremy? Right now, it got, got to be the Knicks The Knicks, huh? The Knicks
1: The Knicks, the Knicks. No, not the oh, Knicks. Oh man. Oh man. Uh, Jeremy, you. I'm just- a Jer- I'm from New Jersey and New York. I'm a Knicks fan. So when you said that, I was shocked. I'm like, no way. <laughs> So, but now, but now I'm disappointed because you said Nets. I'm like, come on, man.
0: Yeah, Katie's my favorite player.
1: How
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah. excited
1: I got for a second, Bubba.
0: Yeah, that's what I, I was yeah. about to say, Matt. I said that, uh, you know, how how far have the the Knicks fallen over the last several or last couple decades? And um, because I remember when you know when the Knicks, and I'm sure they still are up there, but you know, just. You know, when I think of the Knicks, I think of John Starks and Anthony Mason when they really had it rolling and, and uh, challenging the Bulls year after year.
1: Yeah, we don't acknowledge those other guys. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just messing with you, Jeremy. I'm just messing yeah. with
0: you. All right. Now, Jeremy, you know, you know prior to a game, you know, if we, you know, how do you, how do you prepare for a game? Are you listening to music? Um, you know, once – once you're, you know, in the locker room, you know, 2 3 hours before kickoff, you just sitting in your locker listening to music on what's what's going on.
2: Yeah, my my preparation is a little different. I can't be I can't be too focused, too laser-locked down or I can't be just too calm, too chill. You know, I got to be like just like my coach is you can't be here, you can't be here, you got to be here. So, you know, I try to I try to be like normal, be mutual, you know, not too not too locked in with the music or not too out of the box, like I'm not focused for the game. You know, just try to be a norm, be myself, be normal, and I find like when I do that, I'm playing my best football. So, I try to just be chill. You know, I probably listen to some music, hit from here and there, but I try to stay the same, stay the
0: course. Favorite restaurant uh, in, in Greenville? Uh, obviously, you hear a lot about Eastern North Carolina barbecue. But you know, what what's a favorite spot or two of yours uh, in Greenville? Uh,
2: one has to be basil's. I love basil's. And another one, ooh, what else I like? Was that oh, Italian food, Jeremy? Is
1: that Italian yeah. food, basil's? I mean, okay. So,
2: and, Angus grill as well. Angus grill.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: Yeah, something like non-chain, but yeah.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Um, uh, yeah. You know, uh, I, I had to ask it cause the town has changed so much. I didn't recognize the name of that place, but, uh, yeah. After pretty good. It's really good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, Jeremy, I mean, I know, you, I know you need to get going soon, but I uh, just wanted to ask you really quick, how do you feel about, you know, I know you mentioned before the show a little bit, it's late into the season, but are you feeling healthy? How's the health status of the team right now? Um, I'm sure there's people banged up, as you would expect, but how's the, uh, how's the overall health status of the team right now in the bye week?
2: Um, it's pretty good. You know, there's guys in the training room, but that's pretty, that's everywhere in America. But, you know what I'm saying? Bumps and bruises, things like, things of that nature. And, you know, if the people going to fight, fight through that, you know, just the mindset we have. You can't just let those little things keep you away from the game. You never know when you're, when you're going to play your last play. You never know, like, you know, might not wake up tomorrow. So, you know, you got to play through those things. But overall, me, I'm, I'm good. Team's good. Yes,
1: sir. Great. That's great, man. I know you have one more comment. Yeah, we had
0: one more viewer question I wanted to get to. Uh, Shell Pal, once again, chiming in from Charlotte. He said, Jeremy, who is your funniest teammate?
2: Funniest teammate? Oh, man. Uh, it's probably Ron Stubberfield. <laughs> Ron – there's a couple of them. Uh, Ron Stubberfield, Xavier McIver, those guys, hilarious.
0: I'm trying to remember. In the last couple games, you may have seen this, Matt. I want to say it was one of the games um, – in Greenville, uh, where I was going back and watching it on on Sunday, uh, but maybe in the Memphis or UCF game, I want to say UCF, it was when Coach Houston, you know, was when he realized that, you know, we we had it, uh, you know, under control there in the final couple minutes, and he got a hold of Stubblefield on the sideline and kind of wrapped him up and started shaking him a little bit, and Stubblefield, <laughs> Stubblefield's eyes got really big.
2: <laughs> 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 no, nah, Ryan
1: Stonefield, that, that boy's a clown, man. He makes me laugh every day. <laughs> That's great. You know, Coach, Coach Houston does, you know, like he seems like he gets real fiery. You know, I'm watching on TV. I can tell. It looks like he wants to put a hit on somebody sometimes, you know. He seems like that type of guy, which is yes. fun to play for a guy like that, I would think. Oh, yeah. he's,
2: he's about his business. Yeah, he, ha- he always has our back. And he's about, he's about his business for real, whatever, you know.
0: Helps the team win. That's what he's all about. Well, Jeremy, we, we appreciate your time this evening. You know, enjoy the open date. Um, you know, you and the guys heal up and um, we'll see you up in Cincinnati next weekend. Yes, sir. Appreciate y'all.
1: Thanks, Jeremy. Good luck, man.
0: Yes, sir. That is East Carolina outside linebacker Jeremy Lewis. An excellent conversation with him. Uh, he's certainly having a, a fine junior season for the Pirates.
1: Yeah, he really is. It was fun to talk to Jeremy. You know, he's got a great personality and uh, he's he's having a great year. And, you know, you, you got to be happy for, for the guys right now. I mean, th- this class, they've endured quite a bit, uh, you know, over the years. And they've been kind of the foundation, Bubba, for building the program and getting it back to where, you know, first getting it back to respectability last year and now taking it to the next level where you're starting to, stack wins and so you know you, you got to be happy for these guys and but hey here we are you know there's a lot of season left and we got a huge game coming up against Cincinnati Bubba and you know now it's just a question of uh you know can we keep can we stay on this win streak
0: yeah awesome opportunity uh, you you didn't reference the win streak specifically and who knows I mean anything can happen maybe go in there uh this weekend and uh be victorious uh i seriously doubt it especially I believe that I believe I heard uh, that Ty Levitei the the quarterback for the midshipman is out wow so um an even taller task for the middies uh heading to Nippert where the Bearcats have won 30 straight and the odds yeah. are it'll be 31 straight when East Carolina rolls in there next Friday night
1: yeah well I'll tell you I I you know I feel great about our chances in that game Bubba regardless of what Cincinnati does this week against Navy I feel like I feel like we can match them physically Um, You know I watched very closely the Cincinnati UCF game And I felt like UCF was really Able to uh, Pound them on the ground and run the Football very well I thought they were The more physical team Um, Now don't get me wrong I think Cincinnati Still has great talent they've recruited Really well they're a very solid Football team but You know, I expect this line when it comes out to be about a field goal, maybe three and a half, four points in Cincinnati's favor since they're the home team. But I fully expect this to be a a very close game that we have a chance to win.
0: I definitely agree. Um, And and this is one I know um, our co-host Kyle is unable to join us tonight. This is something that he's been saying, you know, the way Coach Houston has built this program, and I think – um, there are a lot of similarities in the way he wants to play and the way Luke Fickle likes to play.
1: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, you look at what Luke Fickle does. I mean, he he loves to run the ball, but he, he really loves to use the tight ends. Like, he really gets the tight ends involved in the offense heavily, and they've had some really good ones over the years there. And, you know, it's a little similar to what we're trying to do here. You know, you see now all of a sudden – in year four, we're a very good running team. You know, we're able to to run the football very effectively, and then uh, obviously we have some good tight ends too here, Ryan Jones, and um, you know. So, so I do agree. I think it's a similar mentality. Um, obviously,
0: in addition to the Bearcats, um, the Bearcats just went down um, to UCF over the weekend, and that was a game. That was largely what we anticipated it being, you know, a a tremendous uh, four-quarter battle that came down to the wire in Orlando, and um, the initial college football playoff rankings came out tonight, and, you know, looking at these, uh, you have Tulane, you know, whose only loss came against Southern Miss, a game that for the Green Wave was probably very much like the Navy game was for East Carolina, where you um, just had some... Some things that uh, came back to bite you, as far as not taking care of some details and so forth, uh, maybe a big play or two, and then you have UCF, who um, was coming off that three touchdown loss to the Pirates, uh, they responded with a big home win over Cincinnati that vaulted them into the polls at twenty fifth.
1: Yeah, I mean that's uh, you know Tulane certainly in a, in a pretty good place right now, sitting at number nineteen. You got to be impressed with what they've been able to do down there this year. And and like you said, Bubba, I think they're the one team that beat us this year. And Jeremy kind of referenced that as well. I mean, we, that's the one game you can really go back to and say, okay, you know what? We didn't bring it today. We didn't play our best game. We, we were beaten soundly. So, you know, but you look at some of those other teams in that top 25, UCF, you know, we, we put it on them pretty good. And then obviously you have the NC State, but, um, you know, I'll tell you, it's, when you, when you watch again, going back to that UCF Cincinnati game last week, UCF hit, had the ball inside the 25 twice, ready to score, and they turned the ball over twice, uh, both times there. So they had a chance to put that game away early, and they allowed Cincinnati to stay in it. So, um, you know, I, I, I really feel very strongly that we'll be able to match them uh, on the line of scrimmage. I agree. And, uh,
0: you know, for a moment before we, you know, before we you know, shift back to talking about the here and the now, I uh, wanted to um, pay our respects to uh, East Carolina Hall of Famer and one of the best running backs ever in the purple and gold. And that is Eddie Hicks. He played for coach die. He unfortunately passed away as a result of uh, cardiac arrest on Monday uh, at the age of 67, uh, you know, ran for over 2,100 yards in his career. And, um, and that's a, Sure, that's a lot of yards, but when you take into consideration the, the wishbone attack and the number of backs that were being utilized, um, that, that's uh, necessary to put that 2,100 yards in perspective. Uh, so, you know, our thoughts and prayers are with Eddie Hicks' friends and family. I know, um, you know, a lot of teammates, as well as Eddie himself, you know, attended that uh, 1978 Independence Bowl, um, their 40th anniversary party. And uh, we're so glad, um, you know, from a selfish standpoint that we were able to meet Eddie Hicks um, back, I guess, just shy of four years ago in December of 2018 at uh, Professor O'Cools as it was there in Greenville.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Rest in peace, Eddie Hicks. Bubba, I'm glad you mentioned this, uh, you know, tremendous player and, you know, wish, certainly wish the best of his family. And he was he was living in Henderson,
0: North Carolina, and and as you see there on the screen, uh, Henderson's of course in Vance County, you know, I guess kind of north northeast of Durham. Um, and you know he he was revered in that community, and you know had some things named after him as you see on the screen. And uh, once again, thoughts and prayers go out to Eddie Hicks. But, uh, you know, shifting back to the here and now, you know, Matt, have you had a chance to take a look at this week's games, uh, both in the American as well as uh, just throughout the region and nation?
1: You know, not not too much yet, uh, Bubba. I mean, obviously, you know, you have the big one, Tennessee, Georgia, right? Um, so I, re- I really haven't had a chance to dive into the games this week. i have kind of enjoying it. A little bit of the off week, too, I guess. But uh, I'll tell you, I, I wanted to ask you, Bubba, going back to that graphic you put on the screen, you know, the top four teams were released tonight. What are your thoughts on the top four? Did that shake out the way you expected it to?
0: Honestly, you know, having been so busy tonight, give me a moment, I'll put it back up here and we'll see. Uh, you know, Tennessee, one, Ohio State, two, Georgia, three, and Clemson, four. Um I'd say so. Uh, the only thing, I mean, I think given Tennessee's schedule and you know the win over Bama, and then just the way they dominated, I think if had you not seen them dominate Kentucky the way in which they did, was it forty-four to six or something of that nature, mm-hmm. they, that that may have been reversed. You you may have seen the Buckeyes, but uh, I think with the way Tennessee dominated Kentucky, that put them in the top spot. Um, and um, for now, Ohio State at number two.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think Tennessee th- deserves to be number one right now. I personally would have Georgia number two. Uh, that's just my opinion. You know, I'd I
3: have
0: – I agree with you. I, I would. I think um, – is it surprising that Ohio State's ahead of them? No, because – you know, because they have an unblemished record, as does Georgia. But uh, I just—I don't know. I just, people must be, I think, probably putting too much, maybe too much stock in that game at Missouri.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that's probably what it is. You know, but that'll kind of shake itself out this weekend, and um, you know, we'll see what happens with that game. But you know, Clemson at number four. I could, I could go either way with Clemson or, or, or possibly Michigan, but I, I'd, I'd lean, lean towards Clemson. So I think that's pretty fair. So I have no problems with that top four. I think it, it's pretty much right on. And, you know, a lot of football left to be played. I mean, you still have games like, you know, Michigan and Ohio State is out there on the last weekend of the season. So a lot of this stuff is yet to be determined, but I think this is a pretty fair starting point. I agree. I agree. And uh, you know, looking within the
0: American this week, we talked about number nineteen, Tulane. Uh, they will be traveling out to Tulsa. You uh, know, so uh, a game that they are they're certainly favored in by a little over a touchdown, uh, seven and a half as it is right now. Uh, you have you have uh, South Florida three and a half point favorite in Philly over Temple. You have UCF, uh, the Knights as we just showed you, are 25th in the initial college football playoff poll, and they are a three-point favorite in Memphis against the Tigers. Uh, You have Cincinnati, a 19-point favorite over Navy, and SMU, a three-point favorite over Houston, and that game is being played in Dallas.
1: Those are some really good matchups. I think that UCF-Memphis game is going to be, I I, my personal opinion, I think that's going to be a great game, and I think UCF, where they struggle a little bit, is in their secondary. I think they're a little vulnerable there as, you know, Holton Aylers picked them apart a few weeks back. And I think that's Memphis's strength passing the football. Um, So I think Memphis is going to give them a lot of problems in that game. Uh, You know, we'll certainly see. But I think that's a game to watch. And then, um, you know, the other one you mentioned there, SMU-Houston will be a fun one too.
0: Um, Brandon chiming in, he said, I don't understand the rankings. How do they put Bama, you know, who has that loss at Tennessee in front of unbeaten TCU? (laughs) Obviously, you know, Bama is going to give the benefit of the doubt. Um, uh, Their their schedule, I'm sure, is something that people would point to. I don't know exactly how it shakes out. I know know TCU, uh, they – you know we're pushed to the brink. Um, certainly uh, Oklahoma State did not do the Horned Frogs any favors by going to K State and getting beat, uh, forty-eight nothing. Um, because um, I mean you still you still don't know. I mean, I, my guess is that Alabama would have probably still been ranked ahead of of TCU, but uh, TCU had to come from behind. Um, they were down in I think at least fourteen points, if not you know seventeen, against the Cowboys at home. And, and, you know, like I know, uh, Matt, that you can't go by, you know, comparing scores, but uh, I'm sure a lot of, a lot of these college football playoff voters, um, you know, couldn't get that out of their mind the way TCU had to rally. And then Oklahoma state just got dominated in Manhattan.
1: Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, I agree. I think Brandon makes a good, asks a good question there and makes a good point. And, you know, I think, there's just such history with Alabama. They've been so good for so long that it's all, there's almost a mindset there like, hey, like, you know, you need to beat them. You need to you need to show us that you can beat them on the field. And so I think they're always gonna get that when it comes down to Alabama versus somebody else, they're always gonna get that um I guess that judgment call, you would say. But um Where whereas
0: you know, they had that close call with uh Texas A and M. Right. Exactly. And I know I know that. I guess that was without Bryce Young, but but still, they they nearly lost Texas A and M at home,
1: and uh, Texas as well, right? Exactly. exactly. Um, you you know, know, they could have lost that game very easily. There were some really questionable yeah. balls in that game, Bubba. I thought that swayed it, but um, but you know, hey, Alabama, they they look mortal sometimes. But when you put them in a big game on a big stage, you know. Good luck beating them. Yeah, I agree that not only um,
0: not only was the matchup in um, bad for Mississippi State and just them coming off that loss at Tennessee, you know, I knew that that one was not going to end well for Mike Leach and the Bulldogs. And um, you know, after the game, I mean, that's something we laughed about last week. Matt is, you know, the way Mike Leach challenges challenged his players. Uh, during the post-game press conference. Remember, he that's when he made the reference to, to the dinosaurs and and how his guys were not using their hands well. And, you know, if they didn't start using their hands, then he was afraid that their their kids or their grandkids may not have hands. So kind of, kind of like uh, you know, just a little evolution theory there.
1: Yeah, that was great. We need more Mike Leach's in college football. Like we've lost so many of these big personalities over the years, guys like You know Bobby Bowden and Spurrier comes to mind. You know Mike Leach. I feel like is one of the few guys we have left in college football that has that kind of. I I love his press conferences. Like he's so entertaining to me. The whole thing about the dinosaur arms and the T Rex that was classic Mike Leach. I loved it.
0: Uh, Richard Alsbrook chiming in. He said, "Any chance Boise sneaks into the group of five conversation for that New Year's Six, um, having a chance to become the." The highest ranked group of five conference
1: champion. What's up, Richard? Uh, well, they have a big one this week. You know, uh, they're they're hosting BYU, and uh, that's going to be another interesting game to watch. Um, but you know, I think the thing about Boise, I, I think they're very good, but I think their schedule is kind of weak, honestly. Um, but I, I certainly wouldn't be be shocked if they if they kept winning and and, and found a spot there, but. I do think their schedule, when you look at it, it's a little bit, it's a little bit suspect in my opinion. What do you think, Baba?
0: Yeah, taking a look at their remaining schedule on um, just a moment uh, here on the screen. As you mentioned, they have BYU this week, and then they they go to Nevada, um, to Wyoming, and then what have Utah State. So. Uh, Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd, I'd say out of those four, the BYU and at Wyoming are their their most challenging games.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have some of the worst teams in the country on that schedule. You look at Colorado State, Utah State is awful. Um, You know, Nevada's, you know, like none of those teams really jump out at me. Air Force is probably the best one I see uh, besides BYU. So, yeah, I mean, hey, we'll see what happens. But uh,
0: obviously, obviously, at this point, uh, I, I agree with Richard as he chimes in and was going uh, where where I was with this comment. And he says the path is for the American, in his opinion, um, no doubt about it. So, you know, Tulane, despite that loss to Southern Miss, is ranked 19th. And um, it's certainly the, the Green Waves, you know, New Year's 6th bid to, to lose at this point. But, um, you know, a lot can still happen as we know uh, you have Houston and that's something uh, just because of the way they struggled and with the majority of those struggles coming outside the conference with the exception of that loss to Tulane uh, it's almost surprising when you look at the standings and see the Cougars with just w- one league loss. The,
1: don't they have a tendency to do that Bubba like it seems like the last few years you know y- I feel like they find a way, they just find a way to win these games. And they're always in the mix late in the season. And, you know, like last year, they really snuck up on me a little bit. And, um, you know, this year, they really struggled early. And now they seem to be moving in the right direction again. So, um, you know, like, I think like Jeremy Lewis said earlier in the the program, when you look at this conference, you really feel like anybody can win on any given week. and. I feel like East Carolina can beat anybody in this conference this year. I also feel like if we don't bring our A game, we can lose. So um it's gonna be interesting to see how it shakes out.
0: Yeah, you saw that um, you know, with the Pirates falling to Navy, you know, and and, and then you had South Florida, you know, right after we put 41 or whatever it was on them in a half, on uh, they went to Cincinnati. And you know, took Cincinnati to the brink. Um, the Bearcats had to come from behind in the fourth quarter to beat the Bulls, and um, you know, keep that win win streak at Nippert Stadium alive.
1: Yeah, that would have been an absolute shocker, right? If if uh, South Florida was able to pull that off, but um, you know, hey, it's the type of conference right now where you have to bring it every week, and if you have a letdown, you can be beat. And you know, we've seen it here and. Uh, I'm just hoping those days are behind us now for East Carolina that we've gotten to a point where we're, um, you know, every every single Saturday, you know, we're, we're in the game with an opportunity to win. No doubt. Uh, another
0: intriguing game this weekend, Matt. You have number 23, Liberty, going to Fayetteville, Arkansas to take on uh, Sam Pittman and the Razorbacks. Um, Liberty's ranked 23rd, but the Razorbacks are a 13-and-a-half-point favorite.
1: Yeah, basically what they're telling us there is the SEC is the best conference, and you know even our middle of the road SEC teams are better than what else is out there. And I feel like Liberty has a chance in that game. I think that line is probably a little too high, but um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Liberty won that game. I agree. I th-
0: I think I would uh, I would pick Arkansas with it with it being there, but um... I do think that they'll probably cover. I think I would take them in the 13 and a half.
1: Yeah. And, and they certainly won't sneak up on them, you know, with the rank Paul, and coming off that huge win over BYU. So.
0: Our good friend, Paul Russell, disagrees. He said, Razorbacks by a million. So. Uh, <laughs> I like the confidence there. Yeah. Uh, we, sh- we shall see. Um, I think that game. i just like to see some of the matchups. Um in the trenches i mean you think uh, arkansas went to byu uh, they want to shoot out there 52 35 and uh they've they've given up a lot of points at times this year so uh it'll be interesting to see how how that um offense of liberty matches up with with um the razorback defense because uh, i think back um early in the season uh, uh, South Carolina got beat by, I think, about 17 points or something at Arkansas. But it was like, I don't know, 49-33, uh, where South Carolina did have some success offensively, and they weren't exactly clicking on all cylinders offensively at that point. So uh, that will be an interesting matchup to see how that pans out for Hugh Freeze. And uh, speaking of Liberty and Hugh Freeze, you know, did you see Matt where he signed a n- new deal? I believe it was $5 million a year.
1: I heard about that. It's uh it's a pretty uh, remarkable contract. You know, the, the amount of money Liberty has is 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 pretty impressive. And he's done a great job there. He, you know, you have to give him credit. He's done a great job at, at Liberty, so um I guess congrats to him.
0: And here in the last couple of days, um, Brian Harson, not surprisingly, was let go down on the plains at Auburn. So, you know, what direction do you think Auburn will go? Auburn hiring a new offensive, excuse me, offensive coordinator, athletic director from uh, Mississippi State, John Cohen. Um, you know who, oddly enough, you know he was Mississippi State's baseball coach and was a was a Mississippi State alum, but opting to to leave to go to Auburn. So, uh, what direction do you think he goes? Do you think do you think it could be Hugh Freeze, Lane Kiffin, Deion Sanders? All, all of those are names that we're hearing.
1: That's going to be fun to watch. I think they're definitely going to go, you know, Brian Harson was a guy that he came from another part of the country. He was not like one of those, what you would consider an SEC guy. Um, and, that, and that clearly didn't work out. I think they're going to go, they're going to try to do something like similar to what LSU did, where they're going to go out and try to get a proven winner with a big track record. You know, similar like what LSU did with Brian Kelly. And, you know, I, I, could, I could definitely see them, throwing a ton of money at somebody like Elaine Kiffin. I can see that for sure. And he's a guy that he has no problem jumping around from job to job. So I I wouldn't be shocked to see that at all. But, um, yeah, Deion Sanders is another interesting one, Bubba. I mean, like I've said, we've talked about this a bunch of times. Deion Sanders is the type of guy where whatever school he's going to go to, he's going to recruit players. There's going to be players out there that want to play for him. And um, I think he would be able to bring in some 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 big time big time players to Auburn very quickly.
0: Robert Dedrick chiming in on YouTube, he brings up from the fired Carolina Panthers head coach Matt Rule, who obviously did such a tremendous job at Temple as well as at Baylor. Um, you know, battling some very unique circumstances there in Waco. Uh, so, what do you think about Matt Rule? I I think he would be more a fit at a program like like Nebraska that's in the Big Ten. Um, you know, with, with what I see you know, as far as his personality, more much more so than somewhere like Auburn.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Like I I feel like he's more of a fit in the Big Ten than the SEC. Um, you know, he is a northern guy. His his roots are in the north. You know, he was with the New York Giants. He was with obviously with Temple for a while. Um so I could see him, if anything, go into the Big Ten. I could see him having a lot of success, you know, somewhere like a Boston College or, you know, one one of those type schools. I, I don't see him as a as a fit for Auburn personally.
0: And looking at this week's slate, then there's not a ton of, you know, games involving two ranked teams. Um you did mention the, the headliner with number one Georgia against number two Tennessee, as it was by the um, other polls. Obviously, um, number one Tennessee and number three Georgia as the college football playoff poll um, states, and that's obviously the poll that matters. Uh, so uh, you also have number six Alabama, uh, the Crimson Tide, headed to uh, Tiger Stadium for a night game against the Bayou Bengals, who are now up to 15th. Uh, So what are your thoughts on that one? Um, Bama's a 13 point favorite, but Brian Kelly uh, in this Tigers team really has steadily improved as the season has gone on.
1: Yeah, they've been been an interesting team to watch because they've been a little up and down, but they're definitely getting better as the season goes on and they have a lot of talent. So and and you said it's a night game. You said it's a night game, Baba.
0: Yes, that's correct. Okay. It's a seven o'clock game.
1: So, so yeah, we know how how tough it is to play in Baton Rouge in a night game. So, I wouldn't be shocked at all if that was a really close game. Like, I would actually just thinking of that line, I would think LSU covers that.
0: Can you look at last year's matchup on the Crimson Tide? One twenty to fourteen in Tuscaloosa. Uh, so, and that and that was a, a situation where. And there was definitely some uh I think that w- was that after uh, Ed Orgeron was fired? Hm. Mm-hmm. it, may have been it seems that. like I may be mistaken on that, but it seems like it may have been where they were kinda of playing with house money uh and just trying to uh be a spoiler for uh, for the Crimson Tide. Very um different situation, but um, you know, kinda of reminded you of that Texas A and M game this year, you know, where they went in uh a sizable underdog, like three and a half touchdowns, and nearly came out victorious.
1: Yeah, that that stadium's going to be on fire. That that crowd's going to be jacked up. I think that's going to be a really close game.
0: Yeah, I think I would uh, I would take the Tigers in the those thirteen points or whatever it was. Yeah, I agree with you on that. So, um, looking at the rest of the slate, uh, another intriguing game. Uh, maybe not as much as some would have thought you know, at the start of the season, but you have number five Clemson or number four as they are in the college football playoff poll heading to uh, South Bend to take on Notre Dame. The Tigers are a three and a half point favorite.
3: Mm.
1: That is an interesting game there. And, you know, it seems I just feel like Clemson has their number, like their, their, their athletes show up when they play Notre Dame. And, um, you know, I, I, I feel like, Clemson's just too good. Honestly, I really do. Notre Dame, they had a really surprising win to me last week at Syracuse. Um, I, I felt very strongly that Syracuse would win that game at home. But Notre Dame, you know, this team has a weird, a weird way of surprising you. You know, like they destroyed the Tar Heels in Chapel Hill earlier this year. That kind of came out of nowhere. I think after like they lost to Marshall. Um, so they've been really up and down, that team. and But now they're – you know, it's another team. Maybe they're getting better as the season goes on, uh, a home game against Clemson. But I, I just don't see them being able to score on Clemson's defense.
0: Yeah, they lost that. Um, you talk about their up and down season in addition to the loss to Marshall. They had the – I think, what, 16-14 loss to Stanford?
1: Yeah, that's an awful loss. That and, is- and
0: that's a Stanford team is three and four.
1: That's a terrible loss. I don't know how you dropped that game, but that's that's brutal. Not a, not a good sign. And the only other game I wanted to bring
0: up is of regional interest. Uh, you have uh, Wake Forest and NC State. That's a matchup involving two top 25 teams. Uh, the Demon Deacons, obviously 10th a week ago, um, you know, fell considerably as you would have expected after a sizable loss at Louisville. And uh, the Demon Deacons are currently a four and a half point favorite over over uh, number twenty two NC State, and uh, obviously the Wolfpack have some offensive struggles uh, since Devin Leary went down, and, uh, and Jack Chambers and uh, company they found a way to rally from twenty one to three. You know, first of all, who would have ever thought? You know, even uh, without. Devin Leary that they would be behind Virginia Tech 21-3, to but they were, and to their credit, they came back and won
1: 22-21. Yeah, it's amazing how different that team is without Leary. And Chambers has been pretty bad, honestly. Um, they went to the freshman, the true freshman. I cannot recall his name for the life of me. They went to the true freshman late in that game, maybe midway through the third quarter against Virginia Tech, and you could see he has a ton of raw talent. Um, you know, the, the talent is is off the charts. So um, – but uh, their offense is definitely struggling, and they're going to get Wake's best punch because Wake got ap- absolutely humiliated last week at Louisville. So I think they're going to be ready to go. And I, I think – personally, I think Wake will find a way to outscore them and win that game, Bubba.
0: Yeah, and to your point um, – you- you can tell I fell asleep that night and just saw the score. M.J. Morris, I believe that that is who you were referencing. Uh, M.J. Morris, the Wolfpack quarterback, you know, who came off the bench against Virginia Tech, um, 6'2", 192 pounds, out of Carrollton, Georgia, and he was 20 out of 29 for 265 yards, three touchdowns and no interceptions. So, um, you know, a heck of a heck of a statement by that young man.
1: Yeah, that was really impressive, and um, you know, he's going to have a much bigger test this week. Virginia Tech, obviously, is this is probably the worst Virginia Tech team I think maybe I've ever seen. I mean, at least in many many years, they're they're a bad football team, um, surprisingly. So, bigger test for for the freshmen this week against Wake, and uh, but you could see, you know, the the, the the raw athleticism is, is definitely there for him.
0: So, uh, Matt, um, one other thing I wanted to mention, kind of shifting gears away from football um, before we wrap this up and get out of here. You know, this weekend the Pirates are, are not playing, uh, so, but um, it's a great time to uh, get out to Clark LeClair Stadium and watch some mm-hmm. baseball. The Pirates over the last two weekends, you know, went down to Clemson, you know, split with the Tigers, Split this uh, last weekend at Clark LeClaire against the Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, So so get out to Clark LeClaire and um, get a glimpse at the 2023 Pirates uh, as Cliff Godwin and company look to win a fourth consecutive AAC title.
1: Absolutely, man. Got to get out and support this team when you can. And before you know it, uh, baseball season will be rolling around. So it'll be fun to watch.
0: Josh Moreland uh, swung the bat well at times. You know he's hit a couple bombs, one against the Tigers, one against the Cavs. Um, you, know, you know a lot of eyes are on the battle at shortstop. You know Connor Asmussen, and then and then um, also uh, Nathan Chrisman, who's from uh, just down the road from me, right here, just a few miles from my house, South Rowan High School. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see. You know who ends up playing shortstop in 2023 and uh, my guess is uh, at one point or another it'll probably be uh, multiple people early in the season but we shall see Um, but for our absent co-hosts and Dave Richmond and Kyle Barber um, as well as Matt Semenza I'm Bob Rosenbaum you've been watching and listening to the Sports Objective on YouTube and Facebook also um, be sure to uh, subscribe on YouTube like and follow on Facebook and you know give us a follow or like wherever you you know you tune in uh, you know where wherever you can find podcasts you can probably find us but have a great weekend everyone and uh, you know we'll be talking to you soon as um you know we join you here on the sports objective take care and as always go pirates